Well, hello, family in Jesus. And uh, I wish the lights were on in the auditorium where I could see everybody's faces because I know that there are so many people here uh, that we haven't seen in a while, but we want you to know that we love you. And I always say that this is uh, home to me. And I just appreciate the relationships and uh, the memories. And I know that some people, when you talk about the history of the church, you know, you go from ministry events and things and ministry launches and all those things. Uh, but behind the scenes, there is a walk and a journey of faith. Yes. And I think that... Um, you know, when you are watching ministry, observing ministry, and receiving ministry, you don't know the struggle uh, that is those that are attempting to take the risk to step out into ministry. Um, sometimes you, 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 I've said it before, sometimes when you get up, you die a thousand deaths before you ever take uh, the platform and step behind a podium to teach and to preach and it's all by the grace of God and I'm going to get into that but again I want to echo the sentiment that's been said I appreciate and thank everyone for your heart to love Jesus it's all about Jesus yes. but thank you for responding to Jesus and what he wanted to do well I am uh, working on, and is Shelly in the house? Okay. Uh, Shelly, I've just been trying to be more transparent. And uh, so I need to ask you, and I don't mean to do this publicly, but when you talked about that the anniversary service was going to be longer, uh, you, you mentioned it in conjunction that Lynn Furrow is here and will be bringing the message. So were you implying that the length of the service is because I am ministering the word? I was not. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I, I feel better now emotionally. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I, guys, I want you to know, I used to preach always about an hour. Uh, but my bladder is aging. And... <laughs> And I'm finding that my messages are getting shorter because I feel this compelling to wind it up and to uh, transition. So hopefully we won't extend it too long. The, the second thing I want to observe is that I felt a prophetic flow immediately at the very beginning uh, as Mike was talking about Peach Cobbler and uh, Mississippi mud pie and no-bake cookies. And I, I almost said, I feel the Lord right now. There's gonna, it's going to be a great service. And then there was discerning of spirits kicked in when somebody said gluten-free cookies. I just said, that's not of God right there. We take authority over that. In the name of Jesus. Let's say it again. Peach cobbler, Mississippi mud pie, no-bake cookies. Uh, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. And Father, for those that are preparing those things, anoint them with your spirit tonight as they prepare it. 
Uh, well, right away, I want us to go to where I won't preach a long time. Let's get started. I want to go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, and I guess I have control. Wow. 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7, and before we read this text, I just want to say a few things, but before I do that, I'm going to pray. Lord, we just thank you for our time. Lord, we just ask that you would encourage us, speak to us. But more importantly, Father, we pray that you would receive the glory and the honor that is due your name in Jesus' name. Anniversaries are significant and important things. They are milestones that must be celebrated. And they become a measuring stick to, for us to evaluate how far we've come, how much we've grown, you know, one of the things that, uh, as we went through the slideshow and the video, is that not only did I see how much we've aged and changed, but I also see some very precious saints that used to be among us that are no longer with us, that are with the Lord. And so it, it is this thing where we, we turn our focus and we review, we evaluate, we look at what God has done we see the many battles and struggles, but we also see the victories and the breakthroughs. And so it, it is very significant that whether it's 25 years or 10 years or whether it's 50 years. And by the way, when I was preparing this, I asked Carmen to do a quick calculation in the car. I said, honey, I want you to take 58, which is my age now, and add 25, and guess how old I'm going to be. At the next 25-year anniversary, which will be 50 years, I will be 83 years of age. I guarantee you, if I'm asked to say anything, it will be very short. <laughs> 83. Well, if you would have asked me, Lynn, when you look at the last 25 years, how, how quick did it go? Oh, my Lord. Just, just like this, 25 years into the history of the work of God and what God has done here. And I guarantee you, the next 25 years will go just as fast. And so it's important that we celebrate uh, that we, we evaluate, that we look at the things that God has done in us, and that we celebrate the victories and the breakthroughs. But there is a danger zone sometimes when we come to the anniversaries, and I want to talk about just a couple of them, and this is not to in any way contradict, you know, uh, encouraging and saying thank you for the faithfulness of the people of God. But I just want to give a fatherly warning to us that anniversaries, as we review and look back, because we've lived it, we've lived it together, and as we view it, it's kind of like a movie, and that, that, that we see ourselves in the midst of all these ministry moments and activities and all the things that have been done, but there was someone else that was working behind the scenes someone that was working the night shift, someone that was orchestrating it, someone that was sovereignly, providentially moving his people. And so one of the danger zones is that we can me-center the celebration 
And really, we must always God-center everything. And so in this passage of Scripture, it said, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shen, called the name of the place Ebenezer, for he said, Till or until now the Lord has helped us. So in all of the things that have been accomplished, all the significant things that we, we've gone through, all the growth that has occurred, all the victories, all the battles fought, but seeing the faithfulness of God break through, it is because the Lord helped us. Up until this very moment right now, the Lord is present, He is aiding, and He is helping us. Now, I want us to go to another passage of Scripture And we know that the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, and I'm not going to try to teach, I'm just going to try to encourage and exhort a little bit. But Ephesians is kind of like the Mount Everest of the New Testament. It is one of the most powerful books that we could ever study and invest our life into studying. And we know that in chapter 1, there is this repeated phrase that Paul uses. It's in Christ, in Him Uh, in Christ, in him, because of him, for him. And and as you go through this, it was like Paul was running out of ways to say the same thing and that it is in him. Can we all say that together? It is in him. It is because of him. It is for him. It is in Christ. It is because of Christ. And it is for Christ. And so I want us to read this. And can we all read it together? It says, in him we were also chosen. Now I realize Paul's perspective and viewpoint in this passage is he's talking about the church universal. The church that existed in in the city of Ephesus. But also he was talking about the church that would come. And the church that would spread throughout the whole world. He's talking about the global universal church, the saints of all the ages. And, and it says, in him we were all chosen. But today, I want us to fill the, the election, the selection, the providential sovereignty of God that was upon us and a, and a tiny group of people in the basement of Eric's house And even before then, in meeting in houses, around a table, talking about what God was doing in our lives and trying to discern God's will. I want you to know that God still chooses people. And it says, in Him we were chosen. It was because of his desire to engage a people. It was his longing. It was a dream that God had in his heart that we would become something unto him. And it says, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now, there's a lot in this little passage, but thank God that new covenant was in the heart of God even before we ever conceived of a church plant. 
And, and it's a mind blower, but I even believe this. Before God ever created the heavens and the earth, before mankind was ever created, before we were ever born, God knew that in this moment of time that we would be here today celebrating his goodness, his glory, his grace among us, and God thought of us and included us in that plan. Can I even add this? And in spite of us, in spite of our weakness, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our immaturity, in spite of our tendencies, in spite of our sin issues, our hang-ups, and our habits, he said, I'm going to do it. I am God, and I'm going to do it all by myself, and I'm going to make whatever is needed to bring them into a transforming moment, to conform them to the purpose that I've dreamed that they would fulfill to reveal Reveal my glory. That was a lot to say, but I said it. And so he did all that in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, and this is a phrase I want us to say all together, that we might be for the praise of his glory. Say it one more time with me. That we might be for the praise of his glory. Now, I'm going to teach you a little bit of Latin this morning. How many are ready to go to Latin class? Well, we are. <laughs> I heard that. Let's pray, for, let's pray for that brother that groaned. Flashbacks to high school, Latin class. Well, as children of the Reformation, there were five solas. And sola simply means that which stands all by itself that which is alone. And if we're going to God-center this anniversary, I want to remind you as children of the Reformation of the five solas, and then we're going to focus on one and the fruit and effect of it. The five solas of the Reformations of the Reformation is that God's Word stands alone as the final authority. And so God calls us to obedience to his word alone, not to the decrees of popes. I mean, you're glad that, that, that we're not manipulated by the will of man, but by the instruction of the word of God. It's not by councils, not by the decrees of popes, but we're bound in our conscience to God's word alone. Then another one was that Everything that we do and are called to do, we do it by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. But here's the final and fifth one. For God's glory alone. To God alone be the glory. Okay, how many are ready to repeat these? God's word alone, faith alone. Grace alone, Christ alone, for God's glory alone. So if I had a title, and again, I'm not going to bore you in repeating this with the Latin. It's sola deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. To the glory of God alone. So when I was contemplating about this anniversary, I wanted to rephrase what Paul said out of Ephesians. God chose a group of people for himself in Newcastle, Indiana. 
He empowered them with his very own faith and grace. So they would be obedient to his word so that the glory and the beauty of Jesus would be revealed through them. You guys better start amening me because I'm preaching way better than you're amening me. I'm going to read it again. God chose a group of people for himself in New Castle, Indiana, empowering them with his very own faith and his very own grace for obedience to his word so that the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ would be revealed through them. Sola Deo Gloria for his glory alone. And so when I began to contemplate, thank you, Eric, when I began to contemplate that the ultimate reason why God formed and fashioned this body and and has by his grace guided it, protected it, preserved it, you know, empowered it, it is because there was a glory which he was revealing through it. And the result of that today leaves me in a, in, a, in a response to that. And I want to just talk to you about the response that I have in light of what God has done. I'm going to give you another scriptural example. You know, there was a false prophet by the name of Balaam. And you guys know the Old Testament Bible stories. One of my favorite Old Testament Bible stories because it talks about an animal talking to a man. How many remember that Bible story? And so this, this false prophet was hired by this king, Balak, to curse Israel. And Israel had been brought out by a mighty hand of God out of Egypt. God had preserved them through the wilderness. And now they were on the precipice of entering into the inheritance. And they had grown. Over 40 years, they had grown. And, and here they are spread out over this valley. And this king is threatened by them coming in. And Balak said, I want you to curse these people. And he attempts to do it multiple times. And every time that he opens his mouth to curse them, the only thing that comes out of his mouth is to bless them. And Balak gets infuriated. And he said, I want you to curse them. I'm paying you to curse them. And, and Balaam saying, I was wanting to try, but every time I open my mouth to utter a curse, all I can do is, is speak God's gracious words over them. All I can do is impart blessing upon these people because what God has blessed, no man can curse. But there's another, there is another phrase that is spoken in that passage of Scripture that we all know, we've all heard. It's a part of American history. It's what Alexander Graham Bell said when the first human communication came over the telephone. He said, look what God has wrought. He also said that. He said, I cannot curse what God has has brought forth. He said, I can only bless. I cannot curse. He said, but don't you understand, Balak? Look what God has done. Look what God has brought forth. Now, in light of that, today, when I begin to contemplate, when I begin to think about this anniversary, my heart is just filled with radical gratitude and thanksgiving. To God 
for all he has done. And so there's another biblical story in Luke chapter 17 about 10 lepers. You know the story. They cry out for mercy. God grants them through mercy in Christ. And Jesus said, go, go on your way. Show yourself to the priest. You're healed. And as they were walking, the healing began to manifest. And obviously, they began to look down and to see the change in their physical condition. And the rest of them continued to go on. But one of them did a U-turn and came back to Jesus. Today is a day where I do not want to be like the nine lepers who, after observing all the salvations, all the healings, all the deliverances. Come on now, people. After all that he's done. After all that he's done. After all that he's brought us through. Moments when we said, I don't think I can go on. But God, who is rich in mercy, continued to pour forth intervening grace upon us that let us to be able to stand in him and to be able to endure whatever the enemy was forming and fashioning as a weapon of resistance against us. But many of you, as we have this history in God, it is a supernatural history where we've watched the intervening miracles and hand of God in our lives to save, to heal, to deliver us. And we have been changed by 25 years of this experience. So today, I'm not going to walk on. I'm going to look back, and I'm going to go back to the one who started it all. And in that passage of Scripture, it said, that leper came to him and fell down on his face. And he began to praise the Lord. Now, People do not understand sometimes why we have such radical praise and such radical gratitude and such radical worship. And I know that in this house, who, who had, this house has always had a prophetic anointing upon it for worship. And I know that it's been controversial at times. And I know that people may not understand all the exhibition, all of the manifestation of, of, you know, the things that we do. I want you to understand that when I worship after 25 years, I'm not just worshiping for a singular service and a singular moment. You need to know that when I worship God now, <laughs> it is all connected together. It, it, it is a hundred worship services. It's not a hundred worship service. It's a thousand worship services that I've been into, but not just worship services where I've experienced God's presence and he's revealed his love for me and his love and his grace to us. But, but it has been in the height of the battle. It has been in my brokenness. It has been in, the, in, in all of the warfare and the worship. So today when I come here, I'm not just standing here and putting up my hands and saying, God, I thank you for this day. No, I thank you for every day. I thank you for every moment of every day because it is for you and your glory that we stand here, but it is because of you that we stand here. 
So I, I cannot help but praise the Lord. I cannot help but add my hallelujah to your hallelujah. I cannot help but raise my hands. I cannot help but move my feet. I cannot help but cry out and to say to God be the glory. Great things he has done. So not only do I have radical gratitude today, but I'm also humbled by this day. You know, sometimes when you have anniversaries and celebrations, it's like we, we do. We, we, we say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I do not want to diminish any of the thank yous because you had to respond to his grace. But can I just say this, that the very yes that I have in responding to his empowerment of my heart in grace, the very yes was a yes that he lent to me. Because, and if I can, because many times in my life and in my walk with Jesus, I've said, no, 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 no. I told you, no. Never, no, 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 no. And he keeps prodding me for, for no. I said, no, no, no. Yes. yes. How could I hold back a yes that you gave me? So I'm humbled by this day. This is a day of thanksgiving, but it's a day of humility before God. Because John 15, 5 says this. I am the vine. You are my branches. Read this with me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, I love the part where it says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Let's just end it there, Jesus. Yeah. You know what my destiny is? I'm going to be a fruit bearer for Jesus. Have you seen my fruit lately? Look at how lovely the, the leaves and the branches and the, all this fruit that this fruit tree is laden with. Look at this fruit. And Jesus said, you know how you got there? If I've yielded anything, and it's been because of the grace of God. Amen. If I've been able to believe him for anything, it's because of a faith that he imparted to me. If, if, if there was any, any uh, motivation in me to do anything, it was because Jesus said, I am going to put my will in you, and I will give you a willingness to do what I desire you to do. Because I, the longer I live, the more I realize. Apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. And I've tried to do it solo sometimes. Got it, Jesus. I'll take it from here. Thank you for turning it over to me. Now, I'm going to show you how this can really work. No, I've come to realize without him, 
I can do nothing. Now I'm going to age myself. And you go, you don't need to age yourself, Lynn. We can see that you're aging. <laughs> but when I was a, a kid in high school, got really captured by heart to a Christian artist at that time. His name was Andre Crouch. How many Andre Crouch fans do we have here? I can remember listening to his album. And for those of you that do not know what a vinyl album is, uh, we can try to show you one on the internets, all right? But I bought from the Christian bookstore in town this, these, this album, Live from London. And I would play it over and over and over again. And I can remember at night me sitting in my room and just listening to that and God just filling me with his spirit, engaging my heart. I knew that it was he was unlocking my heart for his purpose and the call of God on my life. But on that song or in that album, there was a song that was called My Tribute. How many remember it? And I believe these words succinctly say what I would like to say to you. He said, how can I say thanks for the things that you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you proved your love for me. He said, the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to you. Now, he, he, he personalized that in the singular, but we could put it in the plural. We could say it this way. How can I say thanks for the things that you have done for us? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for us. The voices of the millions of angels could not express our gratitude. All that we are and ever hope to be, we owe to you. And you guys know the rest of the chorus, don't you? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Say it with me. To God be the glory for all the things he has done. Now, it may shock you, but I'm going to try to do a conclusion in about an hour. But that's kind of past. Present, gratitude, humility. But anniversaries are also about, God, you've brought us this far. Are you finished with us? What could happen if we continued to allow him to empower us with grace and love and faith that allows us to even be able to be used for God's glory in a greater way in the next 25 years. Yeah, I want you to think about that. Because the first 25 years was a real learning curve, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that God could do in the next 25 years more than we could, have, we could ever dream or imagine. Because we've learned a few things. We've grown. We've learned to to have love perfected within us. We've learned to walk in forgiveness. We've learned to love him more fully and completely and maturely. We've learned to respond to his voice because we've learned to discern his leading and his voice. God has been the author and the developer of our faith. 
And so I believe that God can do even more in the next 25 years, in the next 50 years, long after we're gone, because I don't think I'll be around for the 75th anniversary. Maybe. If I am, I guarantee you they won't even let me share anything. But I want to finish with this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. When we look at this passage of Scripture, many times we me-center things to where we go, this should be our response to God. Faith, hope, and love. This is This is responding back to him in faith and in hope and in love. And and it is true. We are to respond to God in faith, in hope, and in love. But the point of this scripture is that faith, hope, and love began and existed long before you started to responding. The reason why you're able to respond in faith, in hope, and in love is because God has released His faithfulness towards you. God has believed things about you that you couldn't even believe about yourself. When you disqualified yourself, demeaned yourself, believed the lies of the enemy, it says, even when I did not believe, God still remained faithful. Faithful is just two words married together that God is full of faith about His grace and about His power to be able to do it in and through us. So this is what I want to prophesy over New Covenant Worship Center. He that began the work, the good work. Everybody say good work. Oh, the reason why it's good, it is because it's of God. And God is at work to reveal His glory. He that has begun the good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Faithful, faithful is the one who has called you that He will also do it. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so there is this moment where I realize the reason why I can respond in faith is because there is a faith that has been manifested towards me. And that faith has been imparted to me that allows me to stand up and say, I believe. I still believe. Can you say that with me? I still believe. I still believe. The reason why I believe that the next 25 years is going to be greater is because the Holy Spirit, that is a spirit of hope, is guiding us into the unknown of the future. And I believe that there are battles that will be fought in the future. Just like in the last 25 years, there were fights of faith that took place. There was warfare and struggles. But the very God who has called us, imparted to us a faith because of His faithfulness towards us is also going to guide us into the unknown of the future, into contested fields that God is calling us to possess 
and it is the spirit of hope, not the spirit of helplessness. Not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of despair, but the Holy Spirit has, has said, I will, I will reveal myself with this unique attribute of my nature. I will call myself the spirit of hope so that I will grant to you and give to you my expectations and I will build an anticipation within you of what I will do in the future. Not what the enemy is going to do, not what the people are going to do, but on what I will do. Therefore, that we can then have an anticipation that is guided with an understanding that God is going to provide where he leads, that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. And so if he's called us into the future in a God-sized assignment, that assignment may be larger than the bank account of the church, but God will supply. I can remember when we were looking at this building and they wanted, you know, I forget what it was, like $300,000, was it? And I think that we had $10,000 in the, the bank. We would not have even qualified for a loan to get it. And we sat around, you know, going, well, we think that God may want us to be able to possess this, but how are we going to get it since we don't have resources and finances? And then to even move into it, we'll have to gut it and remodel it. But guess what? This is where God, who releases a spirit of hope, that we say, now wait a minute, all the expectations may be that there is no way this little group that meets in a small use furniture building that has no money could acquire a, a property that is, that is going to cost much more than what they could even round up, even if we emptied out our bank accounts personally and put it all in, we couldn't have paid for it. Can you tell that I'm a little worked up about this? You know what? We started talking about, well, let's talk to him about maybe a contract for deed. And maybe that we, maybe we could give them like ten dollars or $20,000. I forget what the details. Eric, who's a banker, would know. But it was like, we'll give, him, give them like 20000 and we have ten, but we're going to have to believe God for ten more. And then work out a contract for deed to where we'll pay them uh, every month at no interest, and then we want a part of the payment to go towards more of the principal so that when we do go to the bank, then we will have a down payment. Did you get all those details? So we approach them and say, can we give you this amount down? Because this is really all that we think that we can you know, muster up, but we will pay you this amount per month but then we want it to be at no interest. And then also we want part of the payment that we're going to pay you every month to go towards the principal to where then we'll have a larger down payment in a number of years when we go to the bank. And, you know, <laughs> I think all of us was like, well, 
they're going to think we're nuts. I thank God that the favor of God makes all the difference in the world. I thank God that we're guided into the future with a spirit of hope. It says, I'm not going to just have my expectations based upon what's in my billfold or based upon the people that, you know, their skill sets or what we don't have and what we do have. And we put all these columns up and we start trying to chart out the future based upon balance sheets and calculations and about what we can do and can't do based upon what we feel are our strengths and liabilities. I want you to know our future is determined not by our strength or our liabilities. It is determined by the strength of God alone. I know you don't want to hear them again, but I'm going to say it. By the word of God alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. So whatever in the next 25 years is coming down the pike, I want you to anticipate. And have expectations in a God who has been so faithful over the last 25 years. God will continue to be the same God. He will be our help up until this time. Now the last one, and I do mean the last one, is that we're guided into the future with God's faithfulness, His hope, but His love for us. And as it doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it, this is the most important one. Because faith works by love. Hope proceeds from love. And when I think about the love of God, this one wrecks me the most, humbles me the most. Because the revelation of God's love within a people, the point of it is, is to prove that his love is a steadfast love. It's an enduring love. You've heard me preach it here, but I'll say it again. Hased, the Old Testament word for covenant love, means a love that will not let go. I thank God for not letting go. I thank God for an unfailing love, a relentless love, a pursuing love. A love that never gives up and never lets go. So I know in the history of every church, we have moments of victory and, you know, seasons of grace and they are glorious. It's like every seasons of favor. It's like everything you touch works. How many of you like those seasons? Everything is running smoothly. Everything is fruitful, and, and, and you go, God, please just let this season turn into a, a lifetime. <laughs> like until I go to heaven. But I found when we get fruitful, whenever we get real fruitful, then he goes, Look at what you're yielding unto me. I believe that you can produce a greater harvest. 
So the vine dresser will begin to move in the midst of the church. How faithful he is to love us. And when the vine dresser comes in and he starts pruning and starts clipping, and, you know, it's like, no. I'm content to yielding this, and I like it. Because it's, it's comfortable and it's not painful. Lord, I just keep us right here in this sweet spot of your grace. And the vine dresser says, I love you too much to leave you there. Because you'll die with your small dreams of what you think you're capable of being unto me. But I've dreamed a greater dream for you that you could even think or imagine. So you may not look at this as positive, but this is an act of my mercy towards you. I have called you, New Covenant, to bear even more fruit. And it is not because we have failed, but because we have been fruitful. Now, there's failure mixed in with all of that, right? I mean, when I saw that picture of Tom in the policeman's suit. <laughs> RTF team, I'm going to need a session with you. I've got to get some things out of my head at the end of this meeting. <laughs> Just teasing you, Tom. I want you to know I almost stumbled. I almost stumbled. God's grace sustained me. But he loves us. And he loves us with a love that refuses to let any one of us go. Now some of us are here today and in the journey in your walk, you've had moments of crash and burn. And to be honest with you, all of us have had crash and burn moments. But God brought us all back together today. All in the family, because we're all in the family of Jesus. And I want to make sure that you get the message. That no matter where you're at, there are three things about God's character. They're forever steadfast and remain. His faith toward you. His hope toward you. And his love toward you. And so, your next 25 years could be a totally different story than the 25 years prior to this moment. I want you to stand with me. How many of you still love me? Okay, good. That was more than 10%. I was, I was hoping to have 10% at least. 
I know this may be awkward and weird, but can we just take a sacred moment? And I want you to, because there was really no uh, moment of, of greeting, and we can't break out of the pews because we want to stay in a, a ministry moment. But, but can, can you turn to the person beside of you and by you and just say, I'm so glad to see you today, and I want you to know I love you. All right, let's pray. Father, we are grateful today. Our hearts are so full of gratitude. We love you. We love you. Can we just all say that together? We love you, Jesus. We respond to your faith, your spirit of hope, and your love for us. God, we return to you today. We fall on our faces and say, to you be the glory. Without you, we can do nothing. But Father, we just ask that right now as we we turn our hearts towards what you have for us in the future. Every single person that's here, the next 25 years. Father, I pray, God, that we continue to yield our little yes to you, that you give to us. We will say yes. And for some of you, you need to say, we will say yes again. And so if that's you, I want you to respond to his grace today. His love and his faithfulness towards you and say, we say yes again to you, Jesus. So, Father, individually and corporately, we just say, for your glory, reveal your Son through us. Draw our hearts, draw our hearts, God. 
I want you to lean into this moment. We're going to let you go just in a moment. But I just feel like God is, is right now working in, in us to manifest His will through us. But what's going to happen in the next decade may be determined by a small yes today. We say yes to you again, God. We say yes. No matter what, we will say yes to you, God. And Father, I thank you that you desire to do a greater work in Newcastle, Indiana, in Henry County. And you desire to do it through a people that you providentially providentially chose calling them as a prophetic people unto yourself God we again yield to that call upon our lives to say we will be a forerunner breaker people that will forerun that will be breakers that walk alongside of you to break open spiritual territory that, Father, we will be an intercessory community that will prophetically intercede for breakthrough. That, God, one of the original words that you gave was that you were going to change the spiritual landscape of this region. And, God, we labor still with that word. We war by it. Use this prophetic people to break open the way. To prepare the way for the Lord. And we say yes, even though it is, it is hard work. It is uprooting. It is plucking up. It is throwing down, tearing down. It is, it is turning over the soil, removing the rocks, preparing a highway for our God. But Father, we have said yes and we say yes to you again. And Father, we thank you for the greater things. We thank you for greater things and greater works. So God, we pray that as you take us forward into the future, I thank you for not only additional miracles, but greater notable miracles. I thank you for a greater regularity of breaking in of the miraculous for new covenant in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that this church, it was said of them that they would be known as the miracle in the cornfield because you do miracles on this location in the cornfield. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, God, for additional generations coming and being equipped and matured and released into ministry. Father, in the next 25 years, we thank you for raising up the second generation of leadership for this house. That fathers and mothers can bless and establish. And Father, we thank you for all those things. Because we receive the spirit of faith, hope, and love this morning in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. Eric and Tom, last Wednesday, I believe, or two Wednesdays ago, I was in a six o'clock prayer meeting. They are of God, but they're difficult. <laughs> and the Lord gave me a word, and, and I didn't know if it was just an application for my setting, but I feel like God wants me to declare it over this house today. The Lord was telling me that there has been a lost generation of kids that have grown up in the house and they're 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 they've left and they're right now away from the Lord. But the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to bring that lost generation back. And so I want you to mix your faith in that word that if there is a lost generation of those that have, uh, you know, not just left and then they've gone on to jobs and careers, but those that have disengaged from the Lord, uh, we're going to see a returning to the house of God. And you know what? Some of them are going to, I feel this from the Lord right now, some of them are going to merge into some of the strongest leaders that you will have in the future because they know what they have lost, and then when they come back, they will have a greater appreciation and a value for the things of God that they grew up with. And so let's call that lost generation back. Father, right now, we make declaration over those that have been lost of the inheritance from this house, and we call forth the prodigals to return. And God, we thank you for regathering. We thank you for redrawing them. We thank you for reclaiming them right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that among them are leaders that you will return. And we will see, God, you anoint them in very powerful ways. And they will bring a fresh revelation of the grace of God to this house. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you just to raise your hands and I'm going to pray the blessing over you and then I'm going to release it back to Eric. New covenant, my family in Jesus. I say to you, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord be so gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance and shine upon you. May you know his tender mercies. And may he give you his shalom, his peace, his healing, wholeness and peace in Jesus name. And we all said, amen. amen. Bless you guys.